Warning, the following podcast may contain material that is inappropriate for listeners that are under the age of 18, are easily offended, or get annoyed listening to the rantings of holier-than-thou-know-it-alls that are anything but. This is Gav, and you're now listening to... So yeah, Anime Central just wrapped up this past weekend at the time of recording this, and Ryan Gavigan, who's written into this show and called in, he used to be the chair of ASEN, but he's still running Anime Hell at Midnight Madness, and that sound clip you heard at the beginning is 2,000 people in the main events room who showed up for Anime Hell. The fire marshal had to turn people away because it was that packed. All screaming Anime World Order in unison. That's no, really, really cool. I'm sure yeah. that if they knew what they were yelling, they wouldn't have yelled it. No, no, still. no. If, if he had told them www.animeworldorder.com about the podcast, no, no, they wouldn't have yelled it. Just, okay, Actually, they probably nobody knows about it, but anyway. Uh, what kind of Bavarian Illuminati is for everyone to know about? It's just a cryptic <laughs> thing, and then one day for the people who decide, hmm, why are we just chanting this mindlessly? Let's type it into Google and find out. Then they can be enlightened. Kind of like no one thinks to question the Logan's Run computer because they're too busy running through the pink smoke. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I guess on with the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Anime World Order. This is episode 19. I am Clarissa, and with me are my co-hosts. Hey. <laughs> Introduce yourselves, if you want. Well, Gerald is the co-host. Hey, I'm no co-host. She just said you were. Well, she didn't say anybody's name, did she? Oh. Yes, yeah, she did. Back me up, Clarissa. Yeah. See? Sure. <laughs> hey, I'm Gerald. And I'm Daryl Surratt, not to be confused with Gerald. I know some of the voicemail we get probably confuses us, some of the emails we get. There's Daryl, and then there's Gerald. People that I we know. know always mix them up. I do it sometimes. I so. think that's why a lot of people call me by my full name. Back in the early days, before usernames could be more than eight characters, everyone called me Surratt, since that was the name I'd use on IRC. They just call me Surratt in real life, because I actually can't pronounce my own name, Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> and so now that... Everything is Daryl Surratt instead of just Surratt. People call me by my full name in real life because calling mm. people certainly by your makes it less name certainly makes it less confusing when we're at a con and people just yell yeah. Errol across the yeah the you can't tell floor. sometimes slightly which one it is. yeah but if people say Surratt or Daryl Surratt then they right. know that whatever so yeah what are we doing this week well this week we are doing our all lesbians all the time episode, except I guess for your segment, Daryl. Your butt ain't made for that! <laughs> Indeed. It takes a screw and a nut! Daryl is not a team player. He's not, you know, down with the spirit of lesbianism, so. About to take over! Our community! <laughs> it is, indeed. It's insidious. As usual, if you want to check show notes on any of our episodes, you can go to our website at www.animeworldorder.com. And if you'd like to talk back to us to tell us either how much you love us or how much you hate us and wish we would die, 
you can email us at animeworldorder at gmail.com or feel free to send us a voicemail at 206-666-4AWO. That's 206-666-4296. And while we were here, I wanted to extend a congratulations to Aaron from the Weekly Anime Review Podcast since he discovered just on his last episode that his podcast pickle ranking was 100 and so he asked all his listeners hey add me to your favorites list and we'll see how high this thing can go and he is currently at seven on the podcast pickle ranking so way to sabotage the internet so what is it we're actually reviewing this time around i'm doing the massive shoujo phenomenon maria samagamiteru I'm going to be taking a look at uh, Another Lady Innocent by Satoshi Urushihara. Which is hentai. Yes, it is. Yeah. I am going to be reviewing the often overlooked and simultaneously greatest anime ever (laughs) created for television, Ipatsu Kikimusume, otherwise known as Miss Critical Moment. So that's what we're doing. Sounds excellent. Just not yet, because we've got listener feedback we should... Yes, we do. First up, we have an MP3 reply from Elaine Mendez. All hail the Bavarian Illuminati, I mean Anime World Order. Number one, I would formally like to thank everybody at the Anime World Order for reading my email on the podcast and for answering my questions. It really meant a lot to me. I have to say that your analysis of Mega Tokyo was spot on. I have to agree with your insight both into its appeal to its fan base and what makes the people attached to it so darn annoying. I will admit I read Mega Tokyo and I actually kind of like it. So that just proves I have really bad taste. Number two, your interview with Tim Eldred was both informative and entertaining. I have seen him several times at anime conventions, and he is a very cool guy to talk to. His panels are usually very open, and he has a good give and take with the audience. I always see him pimping Votamos and Yamato the best he can, because I feel he's really a big, genuine fan of these shows, and really wants more people to look into them. The only sad thing is, every time I have seen him in a paddle on a convention, is usually sparsely attended. So that's your mission, people. Go and, if you see Tim Eldred on the schedule at a convention, attend his panels. It'll be worth it. Number three, I watched Odin. Yep, it's MST3K bad. In fact, how much you enjoy Odin basically comes down to how much you like MST3K. If you eat up bad movies, then Odin will tickle your pickle. Also, a quick note about Karas. It's a trap, people! You're playing right into their wicked clutches. Why? As the old saying goes, any publicity is good publicity. In fact, your review of Odin convincing me to go out and track down such a train wreck proves that much. But Karas just seems plain bad and not fun bad like Odin. Plus, I hate sneaky advertising and therefore do not wish it to succeed on any level. Number five. I'm really sad to hear that Master Keaton did not do well in the States. It's one of the better shows out of Japan, and it saddens me to hear that American fans have not embraced such a quality program. Number six. In my humble opinion, one anime that is better than its manga counterpart is Revolutionary Girl Utena. The anime is my favorite anime, but the manga is just one of the many mangas I have read. I think the anime was longer, so it had more time to flesh out characters and concepts that the manga glosses over. The duels worked better animated, and the duel songs were wicked cool in a cheesy way. Plus, the duel songs often referenced alchemy, that equals major pluses in my book. Also, I liked Jury as a character much more in the anime. The Black Rose Society was also very clever filler, and apparently the audience and manga author agreed with me because they added it in as an extra chapter after the manga was finished. 
And number six, I'll finish with, even more than the cat people, I hate the damn sign people. A sign is not a costume. It's not even that clever. The first guy to do it might have been slightly clever. That window has long passed. Now it's a pathetic plea for attention. You and your therapist can deal with that, with your need to be needed. I don't need to see it at a convention. <laughs> the search okay. for the truth at JCon will enlighten you, Elaine Mendez, <laughs> regarding many of these things. <laughs> so as for Karis, we'll leave that for... Next, Next episode? episode, folks. Yeah. Get ready. I do kind of agree about Utena, though. I actually haven't finished off the manga. The manga seemed I very paint-by-numbers and ordinary to me. Yeah, I do like the TV series much, much better. Yeah, we've gotten a few requests out. to review Utena, and it's just one of those things where it's like, I want to rewatch this whole show, but it's really long. Right. And then I want to rewatch But wasn't that another movie. case of that the manga and the anime came out Roughly about simultaneously? About the same time. About the same time, exactly. And I find that the general rule of manga being better than anime tends to only apply when the manga came first. Right. And, and the, the anime, anime is, is an adaptation. Of For shows like most Gundams and uh, Scryde and such, where the, the manga actually comes after the show, or, or things where they, they came at about the same time, I find that that rule tends to apply far less often. I agree with that. Thanks very much for sending us that email reply, Elaine. I know yeah. you sent it, like, months ago, and we only just got around <laughs> to playing it now. evidence by him talking about Tim Eldred, yeah. Yeah, Tim yeah. Eldred, Odin, all that. Yeah. Oh, well. Yep. We go pretty slow here, so... <laughs> Whatever. What else we got? Here we go. This one is from Michael N. He writes, Yes, it's me again. I forgot to mention several other things about modern fandom, but they will have to wait. Because now, I need to know your opinion on these shows. Gasaraki, I bet I can predict your reactions. Daryl hates it, Clarissa's alright with it, and Gerald likes it because Daryl hates it. Brave Fighter of Legend Dagarn, and Nadesco. I'll think of more later. And this is a question of pure curiosity, but have any of you ever played PC games... This includes hentai as well. Well, that's it. This time, fairly short. Michael and Tampa. Well. Well, you're zero for zero on Gasaraki. Yeah. Pretty much. Gasaraki, I don't know how much... Yeah, Gasaraki is, is really CNN, sad. CNN, the anime, basically. It basically is. It's really sad because Ryosuke Takashi seemed like he was trying to recreate Votoms, in spirit at least, and he kind of failed at that. It's really unfortunate that the show just sort of went the way it did. It could have been really neat, but it just... It was like watching CNN. I mean, so much of the show was just news report after news report of these obscure countries with very obscure politics going on between them. And I would say that Gasaraki, along with maybe Gungrave, are probably tied in the race for worst first episode ever. Maybe Dirty Pair <laughs> Flash throw that in there, too. Oh, God. Because the yeah. first episode of Gasaraki. Oh, God. Versus is the rest of the show. Terrible. Actually, all I've ever seen of that show is the first episode. I was intrigued by the first episode, but never really got around to watching the rest of it. it Usually, just... most people will watch the first episode and be like, this is it. I'm not watching any more of this show. I and actually found the first episode intriguing, but the show That was not its like intended effect. Episode. Just raise a lot of questions. Right, and it's but I. Very hard to do that. I understand correctly. that the rest of the show is not like the first it's episode. It's not. No, it right. isn't. Not so... at all. And, well, the thing is, the first. Yeah part of the show isn't like the first episode and then the last part totally ruins what the first part sets up oh i hate I, when shows do that i don't know if i should go into details about it but no uh, don't spoil it to gasaraki's credit you mentioned votoms i think gasaraki has some of the most if mecha were real this is what they would yes. look like 
Absolutely. kind of and design to it. I know Ryosuke Takahashi was very much against the whole let's make model kits out of this and have six different versions of these suits, mm-hmm. yes, the, the Gundam-style approach to it. And he had to fight tooth and nail, and eventually he sort of lost and said, all right, I'll give like two. two little upgrades to it. Because in real yeah. life, military hardware just doesn't upgrade at the rate at which you'd right. see in your typical robot show. You are absolutely right about the realism of it. I mean, throughout the show, they battle with things like getting sand in the mechs, and you'd never see, like, a Gundam not work because it got sand in its gears or something. Of course, mm-hmm. I think the realism sort of... There's a trade-off to me. I think you can strike a balance between realism and looking cool aesthetically, yeah. and I think Gasaraki airs too much on the side of realism that I generally consider the robots in Gasaraki look fairly boring. Right. I think Pat Labored probably did one of the best jobs of combining functionality with looking neat. And the worst part of it, though, is that super-duper realism, as I said before just now, is totally, completely out the window because of what they do later on in the show. Right. And that just hurts the show even more. It's unfortunate because I think it really could have been one of those really neat, really interesting kind of adult giant robot Mm -hmm. shows, but it it just failed at that. I guess he was wrong in that none of us who have seen it like it. Yeah, but you actually own the whole show, don't you? Or almost all of it? I own almost all of it, and then I watched the rest of it, and I didn't want to buy it because the show was just going downhill so much. I see. As for the other shows you mentioned, Dogarn, I personally have not seen it. Can't comment. Dogarn, I've seen a few episodes, and I'd say it seems fairly standard for one the, of the Brave series shows. The it's, gayest giant robot show? Oh, wait. No, 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 that's, wait, no, no that's, 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 that's Mike Dane. Yeah, that's Brave Express Mike Dane, which, which is part of the Mike Dane, yeah, which is part of the same Brave series. I seem to remember Dugarn being very well animated, at least in the first couple of episodes. Yeah, I mean, it looked it looked pretty good, but those those first couple episodes usually do. Right. And but the Brave series like usually tend to normal. look pretty. But um, as a rule, most people will probably back me up on this. For the most part, the Brave series kind of sucked until Gal Gygar, really. Uh, there aren't a whole lot of really mm. good shows in the Brave series. I mean, J-Decker looks like a hell of a lot of fun, but <laughs> I've never does. seen... You can't find the, it. I mean, The problem, yeah. the thing is, is that they are... They suck if you think a standard giant robot show sucks. Because I don't think any of them... I, I shouldn't say any of them, but the ones right. that I've seen... I don't think we're actively bad. They were just like, we need to sell toys. They were very much. Right, right. storyline. None of them, mm-hmm. that the other ones that I've seen, are nearly as impressive as Gal Gygar, but right. yeah, I wouldn't say that they're bad shows. They're fairly formulaic and generic. They're probably a lot cooler if you're a kid. Yeah, they're basically they're made, made with the very same approach commonly taken for Super Sentai shows. Yeah. You know, all right, little kids are going to watch this, and then a whole new group of kids are going to come along and watch the next one, so it doesn't have to be that different. Right. That was the approach for most of the Brave series. But looking back on them, it's kind of hard to pull appreciation for that show when you've got Gal Gygar. Yeah. By comparison. I mean, I guess because I've got the mind of a 14-year-old, I still enjoy them on that level. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, I mean, you're right in that Gal Gygar. It's kind of hard to even put Gal Gygar in the same category. Lastly, he asks us for our thoughts on Nadesco. Nadesco. I've seen all of Nadesco. I think I'm the only person here who's seen all of it. 
I watched all of it back when it was fan-subbed on VHS. Watched it all very quickly. It did not impress me. I know there's a lot of people who think Nadesco is their favorite show ever. I honestly thought, wow, they just killed the best character in the third episode. And then they brought him back <laughs> later on, like an identical twin, Sven from Voltron style. And then oh, killed shit. him immediately. But a few scenes in Nadesco stick out to me in my mind. They won't go away no matter what. One of which is the ending, which I thought was kind of dumb. But the, the main appeal of Nadesco really is Gekiganger 3. And that's only because I like Getarobo so much and these yeah. Gonagai, Mazinger Z era shows that I can see what is parodying. Right. Do you want to uh, explain really quickly what Gekiganger is? The characters in this show, Nadesco, all watch this fictional 70s robot anime called Gekiganger 3. And this show is directly modeled after Getarobo, where there's three pilots and they combine to form one robot in different forms. Mm -hmm. They all look very similar to the different forms of Getarobo. And basically, the people who want to argue that Nadesco is really deep like to pull the whole, well, what happens in Gekiganga 3 is a parallel to what's going on in Nadesco, just like the pirate story in Watchmen. <laughs> Fuck those people, <laughs> all right? Gekiganga 3 is miles more entertaining than Nadesco itself, and as proof of it, I can say that when Nadesco was hot, Nadesco itself was never popular. Ruri was popular. Yeah. Yes, it, the amount and, uh, of pedophile Lolita fan oh sites devoted Aww. to Ruri versus the amount of fan sites devoted to Nadesco and what happens in Nadesco itself is staggering. The only reason that anyone remembers Nadesco is because of the little girl who had her stupid little catchphrase and just acted bored and disinterested, and that made wank material for a billion pedos across the planet. Yeah. Oh my god, that's, it was enormous. There were movie theaters that were, like, broken into for the posters of the movie. Because yeah, even though... Gigantic. Even though they did the unthinkable and made her older for the movie. Oh no. Yeah. Whatever. I think it's funny that you mentioned them killing off a guy, guy in 3, because I watched, like, the first DVDs worth of Nadesco, and they killed off Guy, and I was like... That was the best character in the show. Yeah, and, pretty uh, much. I kind of lost interest after he died. This was also a show that I remember was shown during that one week mm. on Cartoon Network in their giant robot segment where they decided to show, like, episode 22 or something. Oh, yeah, And yeah. this thought that this was going to be the way to catch the fans was show episode 22. Was mm. it a recap? I don't think so, no. Okay. I know I watched it then, and I, I didn't know what was going on. Bottom line, Nadesco, it's probably an average show, but I just have to hate it because of all the lowly pedo things that <laughs> resulted from it. I mean, it extends even to Full Metal Panic. The character Tessa is practically Fuck exactly Tessa. like Ruri from Nadesco. And so, Fuck and she's Tessa. a shitty character, too. <laughs> yes. So, oh, that infuriates me about Full Metal Panic. Yeah. I like that show, but... All everybody ever goes on about is constantly just wanking over Tessa and fuck Tessa. I can't stand that stupid bitch. Exactly. And like so Chidori. I can't recommend Nadesco. I mean, if yes. I wanted to be a super fan... Chidori. Boy, it's all about Chidori. If I, think I wanted they should to be just, a super uh... fan, I would say, well, the U.S. release of Nadesco doesn't include the little live-action shots of the voice actors telling you to flip over the Laserdisc, because that's what the VHS fan subs had. They all started off with interviews with the Seiyuu, and then after two episodes, they'd cut to them doing something wacky, telling you, hey, flip over the Laserdisc, and those are not in the U.S. ones, so... Rage Against the Machine, folks. Yeah. 
<laughs> Finally, Michael's last question. Have any of you ever played PC games? Well, Michael, I was... Any a- PC games? Yeah. He says, any PC yeah. games, including hentai. I was primarily a PC gamer all throughout the 90s. Mm. I love the Fallout series. I love... TIE Fighter, Wing Commander, Baldur's Gate. Yeah. First person shooters I played uh... lots of, but just in recent years, Mm. the next generation consoles have pretty much overtaken PC gaming. The market for PC gaming has sort of died and dried up. They really only make MMORPGs and a few real-time strategies now. And on that note, Rise of Legends just came out. I love the old LucasArts adventure games. Yes. Those were yeah, I was my about to say. Games. Yeah, I was in about fact, to say. I, lo- I used to play PC games a lot, and most of what I used to play was the old adventure games, like sometimes the LucasArts ones, but also the Sierra ones. The Sierra ones infuriated me. Those were I really tough. Those Quest. would kill you constantly, and I hated that. Yeah. But, uh, I loved those. Screw you, you know. Roberta Williams. <laughs> Oh, man, Lucas I love that series. Day of the I Tentacle used to play, and um, all yeah, Day of the Tentacle is yeah. great. Grim Monkey Fandango. Island. Monkey Island games. And, the, I love the Monkey Island um, games. Yeah, so hentai yes. games. Who plays those? Gerald. I guess I've played <laughs> them, and I guess Clarissa's played them. But yeah, the, I've played a couple. Japanese hentai games are so... What's the word I'm looking for? Creepy. Creepy. <laughs> crappy. Crappy. I mean, I'd say, literally... I'd say what's literally, if you have a PC got, hentai game, if you could just download the picture set. I'd say it, non-Japanese exactly. and, porn games are pretty creepy, too. But and If you've got basic programming ability, like really, yeah. really basic ability, you could put one of these games together. It's literally picture, text, click, picture, text, click, maybe right. a choice. With Some the exception of, of like, the illusion games, but those are terrible, creepy those, games. If you've got basic 3D programming ability, you could put <laughs> yeah. together the illusion games. No, those are not very good games either, but they're, do- they're at least a-, a step above the visual novel now, as a style side note, in terms of gameplay. Which, as a side um, note, there are like four magazines or eight magazines in Japan devoted to PC hentai games, and there are yeah. literally like Arrow five, 500 yes. games released a year. I'm not exaggerating, though. Jesus. Right. The PC market is generally pitiful, except for porn games. Right. So. Yeah. BL games tend to be pretty much the same. They're mostly the visual novel, you know, read, click, choose an option, read more type of thing. There are a couple exceptions, a couple, like, RPG-style ones, and other ones with some extra gameplay on top of the visual novel thing. But yeah, unfortunately, in terms of gameplay, those pretty much suck as well. And here we've got one by a person who has got a major part in running JCon. So here we go. Hello, Anime World Order. This is Lily with JCon in Orlando. I wanted to say thank you for judging my pageant, Otaku no Kiramaki Saka, on Sunday at JCon. You guys were excellent and it was fabulous and you were perfect and everything I wanted. So thank you. Uh, I have to say I was going to email you, but I got utterly distracted listening to that Funari discussion. I didn't know what it was. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have clicked on listening to it now that I do know what it is. Anyway, <laughs> I can't wait for your next show, and thanks again. Bye. Yeah, sorry about that emotional trauma, Lily. Which is more emotionally traumatic, knowing about Fudanari or having to hang out with Joey Snackpants, having to tell him how to dress every day <laughs> and where his socks are? <laughs> Dragging him out to see Fiona Apple. <laughs> I think Lily's a, a strong girl. Fudinari's a strong lady. worse? Okay. Mm. I think uh, Fudinari is probably think so. worse. 
Alright. Yeah. She actually wrote in a while back to mention that the person who had written us weeks ago to talk about the London anime convention being their first one, she wanted to write in and say that isn't true because when she was on her honeymoon, she noticed there was a sign saying there was just an anime convention in London like the week before they arrived or the day before they got into the hotel. If we remember, we'll put a link to the picture that they took as proof up in the show notes. We won't remember. We won't. Yeah, we, we've been pretty bad about that lately. <laughs> I still haven't updated the show notes for <laughs> the Ken Nabby interview. <laughs> oh, we suck. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess on with the news. Yep. Let's news! Working to restore power. We have more news than I would actually think that we would have at this time of the year. One bit of news that we have, and this is actually a continuation of news that we heard about some time ago, and this was from Anime Central, by the way, that Manga Entertainment had lost the rights to the Giver, Red Hawk, Gunbuster, and Wings of Oneonta. Not Red Hawk! I know, I'm, I'm crying too. No! And this is just a little addendum to that, and I know Daryl is going to be tearing up when he hears this. I know, it's it, so it's, tragic. That they've lost the rights to Orgus O2, Devilman, and, and I'm sorry, Daryl. Oh, there's so no sorry. justice in this world! Jill Cop. Uh, oh, I am a banana! It's the Jewish conspiracy, I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it is. The international Jewish conspiracy that they gave to a Jew to translate in the script, and so they decided <laughs> to just dub title that particular aspect. Of course... Since one of the central themes of Angel Cop is how amazingly anti-Semitic the whole thing is, Ugh. they would just end up changing it to, like, the Americans instead <laughs> of the Jews. Do you think that Manga Entertainment had any idea when they licensed that? They must have just seen video footage of blood splattering because it came out around the time Akira was the big yeah. thing. And, and then said, yeah. this looks awesome, guys, let's get that. But oh, oh well, the so... early days of anime. <laughs> yeah, oh, we'll, I'll have dear. to review Angel Cop at some point. All you guys yes, will have to will. do is relax while I rape your mind. <laughs> <laughs> then they realize that you're a fucking lobster. You know, I hope that someone preserves that dub, whoever <laughs> wants to ruin their business by picking up that show. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I hope so too. Keep it on the DVD anyway. God. And in other news, we have Tokyo Pop again. And as we've mentioned a lot of times on the show, the OEL, which is their term for localized manga or Amera manga or whatever the hell they want to call it. Anyway, they're not non manga. Non manga is a good word, but they're now moving away from the label OEL and World Manga and they're now going to start to use the term global manga, which is all manga that is created by non-Japanese artists, which is kind of a misnomer again. I actually decided this is the final straw. I'm going to register and start posting on the Anime News Network forum in response to the news piece. And I did a couple fairly lengthy posts on the subject, but I figured we all agreed on it so I could just post under the name Anime World Order. Folks, this is all shell game. Whether they call it Amerimanga, Global Manga, Original English Language, it's all just this marketing, marketing gimmick. That's what it is. Because they know that deep down in people's hearts, comic books aren't cool, but manga is. So let's try and call right. as many things manga as we possibly can. Cinemanga. Mm -hmm. like, right. Give me a break. All this stuff is just meant to trick people 
and sell people on a dream that, hey, if you do this, you too can be a manga artist instead of a comic book artist, as if comic book is a dirty word, and I guess it is, because nobody <laughs> in their much. right mind would admit to reading comic books. But hey. it's like, well, <laughs> case in point, Clarissa. Oh, well, yeah. So there's a perfectly normal word for describing non-Japanese comics, and it's just comics, man. Uh, mm-hmm. it, we, the reason we use the word manga, for it to mean anything... Manga has got to refer to Japanese comic books, people. Otherwise, then it's just going to It's just a, be that a meaningless ma- word. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if anime can refer to things like Teen Titans and mm-hmm. G.I. Joe and Transformers, then anime then is a word, word anime? Yeah. has no meaning for right. us here in America. There's no point in us using it. It makes me kind of sad that it's like, oh, well, I'm an American creating sequential art comic books, but can't bear to be associated with fellow comic book artists from my own country and it's like i have to have it be called manga and it's like you know look the thing is even if you're a comic book artist it doesn't matter where your influence comes from. right it it doesn't matter whether you're influenced by japanese comics or by other american comics and the thing is american comic books are never gonna really mature and they're never gonna expand beyond the limited confines if people don't start bringing these new ideas, which may be influenced by manga, into the comic book industry. Right, so people can change their mind about what comic book means. Why? Yeah, don't feel bad about it. Strangers in Paradise ain't going to do it alone. Right, exactly. I mean, seriously, people. Mouse, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. I guess it's really unfortunate, though, because it's like the comic book industry almost did this to themselves. They did do it to themselves, not even almost. Right. They did. And all of those comic book artists want to sell their comics. So maybe when the American comic book industry realizes that girls will read comic books, too. The thing is, though, is that this whole Mm. subversion of the term manga, it's not just Tokyopop doing it. It's lots of other U.S. publishers, and it's even the Japanese. The mm. Japanese are a lot of those people who put out those how-to-draw-manga things, or manga is a global mindset. They're just trying to sell you something. Don't get caught up in the hype. Just stop and think about it for a second, people, and you'll realize that manga means Japanese comics. And there's always, every time I say that, there's always some jerk who has to stand up and say, hey, well, what do you mean by Japanese, huh, Mr. Smarty Man? All right, I'll make this really, really simple. Japanese comics are something that are created probably by a Japanese person, definitely (laughs) for the key consumption of a Japanese audience first and foremost, which implies that the original language was Japanese, that it was probably mm-hmm. published in a Japanese language anthology, or that it mm-hmm. was published by a Japanese publisher in Japan first. This yeah. implies that even if you've got a Sutomu Nihei, the mangaka for Blame, who did a miniseries for Marvel about Wolverine, Snicked, yeah. Snicked is a regular comic book. Snicked isn't manga because it was right. made for us. Kia Asamiya worked on Batman. Batman Those right. are comic books. Kazuo that's all it is. Similarly, if there is some hypothetical American creator or something who is so good that he can get in Shonen Jump or some Japanese publication and write a story in Japanese and release it and... That's unlikely, but maybe a Korean artist or something could pull it off. Then that, I guess, would be manga because 
<laughs> it's for a Japanese audience. Yes. Right. But come on, if we're going to mean anything in these discussions, then we got to mm -hmm. at least agree somewhere. I would love to see an American so-called, you know, manga artist ape the conventions of a non-conventional Japanese artist like Ikigami. Um, Ikigami. Yeah. One instead of these very stereotypical big eye sweat drop shit. And right. I, yeah, and let me get sorry, Clarissa. I knew you were about to say something, but when oh. we say the big eye sweat drop shit in the manga style, all these people who are aping the conventions of quote unquote manga, the quote unquote manga conventions, what they really mean are the conventions of your standard shonen or shojo titles. Right. What comes out in Shonen Jump or Shojo Beat. Certainly not like seinen that. or anything. Certainly not seinen. No one is copying Goga 13 here. Stop. No one is copying Ikigami. It's yeah. all that stuff. The stuff that is targeted primarily for kids to early teenagers. That's what people associate as being, oh, the manga style. Yeah. That's yeah. all I have to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> I posted a lot in a and Yeah, what's but... sad is that a lot of people don't pay attention to this stuff that doesn't fit it. Like, I know, I think somewhere back in my live journal, I ended up posting this rant where I threw this bitch fit and posted a bunch of scans and screen caps because I remembered people complaining about how they couldn't watch anime or they couldn't read manga because they couldn't stand the anime style. Which the manga is a non-existent term. And right, where everything that. looked the same, where everything looked the same and it was all big eyes and sweat drops and whatnot. And I posted a whole bunch of screen caps and scans of art that didn't look like that or art that at least each looked different from the last. I said, look, fuck you. These things don't all look the same, and if you tell me it, then you're fucking blind and you're a moron. And I've shown that to and comics fans, and they've yeah. all looked at it and said, Oh, well, other than the Ikigami stuff, I'm pretty much right. Uh, and I mean, yeah, the Ikigami stuff is, is a genre. I mean, there's just so much of it like that. It's just so different. Yeah. In closing, I, fuck global manga, whatever they want to call it, I propose that we follow the Penny Arcade example and adopt... Funny and, books. Uh, call it all manganese. Manganese. Mm. Yes. Funny books is a good word because it just disarms the argument completely. <laughs> all, the, all the Will Eisner people who are like, no, graphic novels, sequential art, yeah. funny book. In Germany. I like sequential art. Yes. In Germany, they are all called Mickey Mouse books. Mm. <laughs> all of them are called Mickey Mouse books. Really? Wow. Yes. Anyway, on to some other news. And this is really big news. There were five missing works that were discovered. By the manga legend Osamu Tezuka. I, shouldn't, I should reword that. Osamu Tezuka's dead. He didn't discover them. But these are works that he did far back, very, very early in his career. And they were, hmm. these were works that were gathered up by the U.S. censorship around World War II. Well, after World War II. During the say. occupation of Japan, they gathered up materials that they deemed worthy of censorship. And these five Tezuka works were among them. Right. No and one really knew these discovered. things existed because the originals were gone some record for some of them were just like, oh, this was made, but no one actually had it. Mm -hmm. So this is a pretty big find. Yes. Even though and, they're all very short little pieces. Yeah, they're all very yeah. short little, like, maybe four-panel sort of deals or 16-panel or whatever. Three to 12 frames around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think it'd be anything that would come out here just by virtue of the fact that it's so short, but there's not a whole lot of gaps in the Tezuka library in terms of missing works. This fills up most of what's left. And I don't know. I have the feeling that this guy was just making stuff 24 hours a day. He was making stuff 24 <laughs> hours a day, but the fact is just most of it you, still remains. Yeah, yeah Tezuka... He just set the, he set the bar too high by being just yeah, inhuman. Yeah. 
He just ruined like, it for all the other manga. Yeah. Between him and Ishinomori, just these yeah, dudes like, who just crazy. like belt out these like 150 page graphic novel or yeah. Takaban yeah. collections within like a night or whatever some crazy shit is. They just yeah, Frederick set- showed it has a big, has a really great thing on uh, Samu Tezuka because they were apparently friends. Yeah, they, they show up together that. at watching, you know, Wonderbug or whatever it was. Patrick <laughs> <laughs> goofy 70s car show they were chillaxing with Fred Patton over at the <laughs> But yeah, this is, this is a really big find. We may not see these, or at least we may not see these released over here mm-hmm. just because they are so short. I was but, about to say, uh, it's not like we've even gotten all of Tezuka's stuff over here, yeah. have we? And on that so. note, I didn't realize this until very shortly ago, a few months back, Viz is actually continuing their release of Phoenix. They had released the Woo. first five volumes and then stopped releasing them like three years mm-hmm. ago. And then just last month, they just released another volume of Phoenix. I've got it right here. It's cool. Phoenix Nostalgia. And two more volumes are going to come out. The next one, I believe, comes out in June, maybe July. I don't know. But they're coming out in a few months. So I'm going to definitely have to talk about Phoenix at some point because mm-hmm. this was what Osamu Tezuka's life work was. This he is planned it out was the and last died before he, he could did. finish it in a right. sense. But a lot of it is there and yeah. the parts that he didn't get to finish due to the nature of how Phoenix is structured, it's not like the story is incomplete, but it mm-hmm. would have been nice to have gotten that final story. We should actually do an episode with the Phoenix, the anime, and Phoenix, the... Phoenix, the anime, which one? (laughs) There's been so many, and I haven't even seen all of them. I've seen the the new new series and the old movie. There's four. The the, the best film and video old movie, I should say. So it's the one released as Space Fiber. Plus there's the live-action Phoenix. I've got that as well, but Mm -hmm. that's just putting a dent in it. <laughs> yeah, so... That's good news, though. So now, Viz, when are you going to reprint your Blackjack stuff that you put out and release the rest of it? Damn it. Their editor's <laughs> choice line is really an incredible thing. For all the complaining I have about Naratards and crazy squealing fangirls, the people who are buying that shit in such amazing numbers are what finances them to do these editor's choice releases of right. these things that are really yeah. good, but nobody buys them except me. <laughs> and I'm buying a Mason Koku. Mason Koku and Nausicaa and Golgo of course 13. Golgo a... 13 is a signature yeah. series, not editor's oh, right. choice, but that's mm-hmm. along the same lines. Is that the one that's doing Drifting Classroom? I don't remember. That might be signature uh, as well, but everyone needs to buy Drifting Classroom because Patrick Macias wrote the foreword Best. to it. That's the news for this week, and so on with wonderful lesbianism in the juggernaut of lesbian work uh, today, that is. Maria Samagamiter. Actually, let me run a promo since it's been two weeks since <laughs> we've run promos on this show. So let's start fixing that. All right, here okay, we go. After the, promo. after the promo. Hey, kids. Do you like Japanese animation but have a hard time figuring out what to watch? Then you need to listen to the weekly anime review podcast where we talk about giant robots. blazing sword. Magical girls. And other weird Japanese cartoons. Curse those evil octopi. So head over to www.weeklyanimereview.com or look for us in your favorite podcast directory. The Weekly Anime Review Podcast. Anime reviews for your ears. 
Okay, so now I'm going to talk about a series that I'm not sure how many of you might be familiar with. It's a very, very large shoujo phenomenon with the most unintentionally creepy title ever. Maria Samagami Teru, which translates to The Virgin Mary is Watching You. Ooh. So usually, no, it's, yeah, it's creepy. <laughs> unintentionally Fucking so, I think. Blows? No. <laughs> As per the really large image macro. <laughs> Marimite started existence as a series of novels by novelist Kono Oyuki. It's actually still going. There are over 20 novels in the series, and they're still being released. In fact, I think one was just released a couple months ago. The novels were hugely popular. Also not very long ago, they started adapting it into a manga series. Shortly after the manga series, they decided to animate it. And the anime has run for two seasons, with a third a season in the form of an OAV series that's going to be coming out in the future. Maria Samagamitaru is a series in the tradition of what they would call in Japan Class S relationships, which is not necessarily overtly lesbian, but can be lesbian and tends to have an overarching lesbian subtext to it in that they're usually set at all-girls schools and they represent the earlier school-age time when, well, the most important relationships at this time are relationships with members of your own gender, not the opposite sex. While there may not necessarily be sex involved, there tends to be a very strong homosexual subtext because it's so focused on members of the same gender. So Marimite is about a school called the Lillian Jogakuin, or Lillian Girls High School, which is an all-girls Catholic school in Japan, very European in style and, and feel. Even though it's set in the school, I don't believe you see a teacher until well into the second season. It's more like it's just like a setting. Hmm. Um, you see a couple teachers, I mean briefly, um, <laughs> but... It's a side no, note, it's just... Obviously, you're not going to get long sequences of them sitting in class listening to the professor lecture, because that's boring. Oh, and what they've got isn't... Hey. Oh. Well, it depends. It depends on who you ask. Um, Marimite is what some people might call a slice-of-life show. It's what I call it's very moe. Much, I don't know if it could be classified as moe. I'm really not sure about the specifics of the Japanese term moe. I usually think of moe as being generally made for guys, and generally being stuff like binchotan, where it's obviously focused on super lowly-esque characters that are really only there to be cute, whereas in Marimite, the focus is less on, hey, the girls are really cute, and more on the relationships of the girls with each other. It's a slow show, I won't yes. lie, but I think that it's still a good one and that it's still worth watching. Whereas, for example, I couldn't watch Too Hard. No, no, that's too you know, boring. Too Hard, too hard seriously, nothing piano. happened in Too Hard. I mean, Coco I couldn't watch that. Yeah, I couldn't watch Piano either. Marimite, I watched and enjoyed. I don't think it's as slow or uneventful as some of those other shows. So I recommend Sunday's giving it a Dreamers, try. I think, was another slow show. That was a yeah, very slow I, show. I didn't really watch very much of that one, but yes, it was. The lesbianism in this show is generally subtextual. There's only, in fact, one really lesbian relationship 
that we see in the show, which is portrayed in flashback. And so really only one of the regular cast members that you could consider to be a lesbian. All the rest of it is very, very deep, ostensibly platonic or emotional connections and relationships between the girls. This is fostered by the structure of Lillian School, which is where a lot of the drama and a lot of the things that are going on revolve around and which provides our main cast. The student council of Lillian Jogakuen is a group of three girls who are referred to as the Yamiyuri Kai, and each one of their positions is named after a rose. There's Rosa Fetida, Rosa Gigantia, and Rosa Kinensis. And the school has a system called the Sur system, which Sur is French for sister. It's sort of a way for the school to preserve order and discipline among the student body by having the student body do it themselves, as opposed to really imposing a lot of harsh external regulations, where the older girls in the school take younger girls under their wing and adopt them like little sisters and teach them how things work in the school and help them to become fine ladies and so on and so forth. The central focus of this is on the members of the Yamiyurikai, who each take a sir, who is then referred to as an embuton. So you have... A uh, sorority system, I guess. Right. Uh, yeah, sort of, yeah. I think that's why I saw it as the Moe kind of show, because of the whole little sister relationship and protecting them and helping them mm. get along. And That's very much what the vile specter of Moe is all about. Mm. It really doesn't have that creepiness factor. But usually it. that's the guy that wants to fuck his sister. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so, but, but, um, for some reason, yeah, we'll get into that at a later date. Yeah. But, uh. yeah. Anyway, you have uh, Rosa Kinensis and Rosa Fetida and Rosa Gigantia, and each of them have a sur who is, you know, Rosa Kinensis and Bhutan or Rosa Fetida and Bhutan. And then each of the Embutons. <laughs> yes get girl. Each of the Bhutans also can take a petite sir. Our main character is a girl named Fukuzawa Yumi, and she pretty much fits into the standard shoujo main character mold. Yumi is a pretty normal girl. She's not really exceptional at anything in particular. That way the audience can identify with the, the main character a little better. Instead of the main character being this perfect, amazing, wonderful person, there Do we first lot... see her running because she's late with toast out of her no. mouth? Okay. No. <laughs> totally revolutionary. That, that scene's totally gone. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and Yumi is a first-year student at Lillian, and the Yamiyurikai are pretty admired, and also the Embutons are pretty admired in general throughout the school. But the one who is admired the most is Rosa Kinensis in Bhutan, a girl named Ogasara Sachiko, who is from a really good family. She's very elegant, um, very intelligent, very beautiful. And so the whole school really looks up to her. Yumi, of course, is no different. Yumi absolutely adores Sachiko, looks up to her, is kind of a, a Sachiko mega fan. And on one day in the morning, when Yumi is stopping briefly at the statue of the Virgin Mary to offer her morning respects. She hears somebody tell her to wait up, and it's Sachiko. And Sachiko comes up to Yumi, and she straightens her sailor collar, her tie on her sailor collar, because it's crooked. And Yumi is kind of flustered and really doesn't know what to do. And 
Yumi has a friend named Sitako who's in the photography club who gets a picture of this. And basically the picture is kind of a plot device in order to get Yumi and Sitako to try and go to talk to Sajiko in order to get her permission for the picture to be used in an exhibit that Sutako is putting together. So when they go to meet Sachiko, as they're about to enter the room in the Rose Manor, which is what they call the small building that the Yamayurikai meet in, there's a sign on the door that says there's a meeting in progress, and they kind of hear somebody yelling on the inside. And as the door opens, somebody comes charging out of the room and runs into me and falls on her. Oh, wow. And it's, so it's a harem yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> um, not, yeah, I mean, not really, because it's not like everyone's in love with Yumi or anything. But, uh, yeah, there is, it, it was kind of funny to see the old, you know, oops, I fell on you accidentally. Was she then punched gimmick. into orbit? No, no, no. Actually, Yumi this show, that would have been awesome. It would, but Yumi wouldn't do that, because Yumi's always so, like, freaked out around Sachiko. So yeah, Sachiko is the one who falls on Yumi. And Sachiko, after apologizing and being like, are you okay? I'm very sorry. And Yumi's like, no, no, I'm fine. Sachiko suddenly kind of pushes Yumi into the room and out of nowhere declares Yumi as her sir. And now Yumi, as I mentioned, is a huge fan of Sachiko, but this is completely out of the blue. In fact, she and Sachiko don't really know each other at all. So she's really weirded out. It turns out that Sachiko wants to get Yumi as her sur because if she can get a sur and specifically get Yumi to be her sur, then it'll get her out of this thing that she doesn't want to do. I'm not going to go over this entire like first plot line, but it's this is the plot line for like the first like three episodes or so. And of course, now Yumi is kind of thrust into the middle of being around the Yami Yurikai and being around Sachiko, which is very strange for her because she really looks up to these people and she really likes them, but she feels terribly awkward at the same time. And Yumi and Sachiko kind of getting a feel for each other and growing closer. And there's the question of, you know, are they going to end up being sirs after all? And will it be out of the desire for Sachiko to, to use Yumi in order to get out of this thing, or will they honestly become sirs? And it moves on past that, and there's plenty of other things that happen. One of the nice things about this show is that it isn't just a main character with a bunch of other people as window dressings. For the most part, the Yami Yurikai, all of the Embutons, and all of the Embuton Petit Sirs are pretty well characterized, and they're all pretty interesting in their own right for different reasons. In terms of the different versions, the anime is a really good series. It's really good to watch, and I'd actually probably recommend watching it first. The anime, while being a good adaptation, of course, due to length limitations, does leave some things out from the novel, mostly in terms of levels of detail, and certain events are rearranged. But I think if you watch the anime first, and then you go on to the manga, and then the novels you get those added layers of detail instead of feeling like, oh, well, this got left out or constantly having to compare them to one another. How do you get to read the novels? There are some translations out for some of the novels. And also, Erica, who some people might know from Yurikon and ALC Publishing, 
has done summaries of many of the novels as well. So for ones that there aren't translations for, you can read her kind of cliff notes for the books. The manga is being scanlated by Lililicious. Um, I'll put links to all these things in the show notes. The anime, I think, is really enjoyable to watch. It's kind of nice to see the characters in motion, and uh, there's some very nice music. The animation quality is also very high. I think the fact that there's not a lot of crazy action going on helps in terms of animation quality. They're not having to expend a lot of animation and budget on things like huge fight scenes. So the character animation maintains a pretty high quality throughout the entirety of the two seasons. And the next episode previews are pretty fun, too. Yeah, the next to. episode previews are, are, are pretty silly. Sometimes they get a little crazy. Um, there was one next episode preview where they decided to spontaneously rap out of nowhere. Uh, it was very good. Maybe we can very put that clip up. Yeah, we'll have the episode or the segment end with that. That'd be good. <laughs> okay. The, yeah, the animation quality stays fairly high. Obviously, there are some segments where the character designs don't look quite as crisp or quite as spectacular as they do in others. But I really can't think offhand of any spots in the episodes like I can in a lot of other shows where the characters just look really bizarre or hideous, like very abruptly, or the character designs just changed dramatically for no apparent reason. Also, the voice acting in the anime is very, very good. And then moving on from the anime, once you go into like the manga and then the novels, basically what you just get is more detail. Um, Marimite is probably the biggest Yuri fandom that I can think of. Um, there's tons of doujins. There's even some crazy doujin games that yeah, have been I, made. I especially for like the one modeled after Phoenix Wright or Gakuten Saibon. Yes, that yes. is. Yes. Play it or yeah. know what's being said, but just the fact that it exists. Yeah, that one is very good. There's also like a couple of shooter games, like a curtain fire shooter and a, and a side scrolling shooter, and a there's a, game. a 2D fighting game. Yeah, which is is pretty hilarious given what the actual show is like. Why do you think it's as big a deal as it is? Um, I think you mean maybe Sachiko. Yeah, well obviously it's it's very big with a lot of people because of the Yuri subtext. Yuri fans absolutely love it. I think also one of the things that I like about Marimite and one of the reasons that I really enjoy it even though a lot of the characters are fairly stereotypically girly, is that far too often with female characters, largely in shonen, but it's really bad in shoujo as well, it's really sexist in the sense that the entirety of any given female character's life will consist of and revolve around nothing but men. They can't have any goals or aspirations or desires that don't revolve completely around a guy. And thankfully... Marimite being a show about an all-girls school with very, very few male characters at all avoids this. Guys are not really all that important for the most part at all. What's important is the girls themselves and their relationships with each other. And that's really, really nice to see instead of another 50 billionth female character who can't do anything Needs without yeah can't do anything without a guy or can't or you know doesn't have any goals or any ideals beyond, beyond getting, getting married right that was elizabeth That's, christian's big indictment on modern shoujo that yeah. is exactly as you just described 
Yep. And how it's yeah, just I mean, amazing that female authors yeah. are the write ones that. writing Well, the thing things. is, women aren't immune to it. When a society is that sexist, women absorb those values too. Yeah, I mean, I rag on Shonen a lot for this, about Shonen authors not being able to write female characters for shit, and girls in Shonen just being absolute, complete useless whores. Yeah, no, Shoujo is pretty bad about it too a lot of the time. Marimite, not one of those shows, thankfully. We'll just take a short break and then I'll be right back to drop some science on your ass. Awesome. Hi, this is Aaron and Noah, and we're a couple living in New York City. We run the Ninja Consultant Podcast. Sometimes we talk about ninjas, but mostly our show is about anime. We don't do anime news because we don't know any. (laughs) I know what the news is, because I've heard it on every anime podcast this week. We have over 800 years of combined otaku experience, and I guess sometimes we talk about it. You can train to be an otaku, or just sound like one. Choose from any of the following areas of expertise. Conventions. Fan culture. AMVs. Fan subs. Fan parodies. Fan art. Manga. Cosplay. Ninja studies. Refrigerator repair. Or get your GED. And much, much more. Can you draw this pirate? Go to www.ninjaconsultant.com and discover the wonderful world of anime art. That's www.ninjaconsultant.com. Or search for us in the iTunes... Wait, we're a couple? You were a couple. I mean, I knew that. Oh, snap! Oh, God, no. Not the milkshake song. Not the what? Milkfic? The milkshake song. Oh, I didn't realize there was a milkshake song. You know that milkshake brings all the boys to the yard? No, I've never heard that song. Oh, never mind. You guys fail at life. I think I succeed greatly at life for not knowing. That song Freeware. The way pop music works is that you can shield yourself from it until you go to the mall, and then you're caught up on every single pop hit song that needs to exist the next time you go to the mall. But I just don't really go to the mall anymore. Oh, because I was going to say, like, how could you not hear that song that was everywhere? I've never heard that song. I'm not surprised, because you guys, like, know nothing about music anyway. (laughs) Even good music. There's no such thing. All right, let me get started Uh on this. No, there isn't any. If there was, I'd own it, wouldn't I? All right. All right, now it's time to talk about an often overlooked anime that is near and dear to my heart. The name of this amazing bit of artistry that I'm about to talk about is called Ipatsu Kiki Musume, which roughly translates to Miss Critical Moment. If you've never heard of this show, it's because, well, it never really got released on DVD, like, probably not even in Japan. If you've ever heard of this variety show called Wonderful, they're the show in Japan that ran things like Sexy Commando, Cromartie High School. Wasn't Colorful? Colorful, yes. Possibly Digicarat, I think. Just basically these short little animated things that were usually very, very silly. Ipatsu Kikimusume was one of them, and it was from a while ago, like I would say 1999 or thereabouts. Right. So it's old... In terms of internet time, but not necessarily old in terms of anime time. And the reason I bring that up, I'll get to in a second. 
But basically, Ipatsukiki Musume is about 16 or so episodes that are each maybe three or four minutes long. And all of them are built around this premise. There's this girl named Kunyan, and she basically looks just like Chun-Li from Street Fighter. <laughs> In terms of Including the huge thighs? Uh, yes. The huge awesome. thighs of hotness, or whatever. But awesome. no, just... Most people, when they see it, they think, oh, wow, it's Chun-Li, the show. But it's not. She is a Chinese exchange student living in Japan with two other people. Linda, who's an American, and Nanja, who I guess is... She's probably <laughs> European. It doesn't really matter. Because the reason the show is called Miss Critical Moment is because every episode involves our main character and sometimes her friends being trapped in a mortally dangerous situation (laughs) where they face nearly certain death due to the most ridiculous thing imaginable. And the episodes are all about how they escape certain death, how they get out of the critical moment, so to speak. And it's not like critical moments like flying off a cliff or something. Actually, they are. Critical moments like flying (laughs) off a cliff, like being burned to death, like bleeding to death, How do you get out of falling off a cliff? No, I mean, like, one of them was getting trapped in a bathroom. Yes, but the critical moments (laughs) Wasn't there one where somebody got stuck in a barrel? Yes. Yes. They both got stuck in a barrel, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Oh, oh yes. These critical moments are usually very life-threatening, dire situations, except when they're not. (laughs) (laughs) It's either something that's like, really, really, I'm about to die, or something that's just really dumb. Like, oh no, I have to take a shit, and... (laughs) But, but I have to do my job at the same time. How do I get away from doing work so I can take a dump without missing work? It's stuff like that. Or things like the very first episode, for example, is being trapped in a sauna. And if you're in a sauna for too long, it explains you'll die due to loss of right. water. And right, that's right. the main thing that you have to understand about this show. It oozes with science. <laughs> Science is the lifeblood of escaping from critical moments, and so, using, so would, would using Emma their Sky... superpowered moon brain of science, they are able to escape situations by applying ridiculous laws of physics to the point where the solution is always something really elaborate and really painful. Well, so I was about to say, would, would Emma Sky, you know, like the show? Yes, if you since she, it's about science. It's about science. And if you are an Emma Sky cosplayer who has pins that say, ask me about science, but you don't know about science in truth, watch this show, and then you will know about science. So, basically, it's completely zany and madcap, being only a few minutes long. It's really violent, and there's nudity for no reason other than for a joke, and... Every episode involves people getting hurt (laughs) in comedic fashion. One episode, a drawer was about to fall down and crush them. Yes. And it always starts off... Yes, dresser. A large... Was this a huge A gigantic dresser dresser was about to fall down and crush them, and if it falls on them, they die. And it always shows, like, them in the terrible situation, and then a quick shot of how they got into the situation. Like, in this case, it was... Some guy who was getting his blow-up doll from inside the cupboard or something like that. And the 
motions thereof caused it to start falling. And so how do you get out of this? And to get out of it requires application of the Pythagorean theorem and finding the angles and the tangents and how much force do you exert. And the best part of the show, it's got to be the narrator, who's this yes. very, very straight-laced, deep-voiced male narrator who's just very, very serious about... Is it Norio Wakamoto? It's not Norio Wakamoto. It would have been awesome, but it's still yeah. awesome how it that, is. I think it's better that it's not Norio Wakamoto. It's actually Genda Tesho. And Genda Tesho is... Right. Very old actor. Mm. Yeah, he's been around. He was Umibosu in City Hunter, so if you want to think about this deep <laughs> kind of voice that the guy's got. Oh, he was awesome. the villain in Odin. He was <laughs> Belgel. So that yes. the deep so, yeah, guile in Street Fighter. He's the Japanese voice of Optimus Prime. But yeah, mainly when I think again to Tesho, I think of Ray from Ursa yeah. who barely talks. All he does is scream. Right, right. Yes. <laughs> but this dude is the narrator. And Kunian is just freaking out about what the hell do I do? Oh, yes, this is how I can do something. If I'm every single joint in my body is dislocated and I have to open a doorknob, but how do I get to the doorknob? Oh, I can't wiggle. I have to do somersaults. Or, oh, no, everywhere around me is on fire and I can't have no use of, like, I'm trapped in this ridiculous yoga position. I know. I'll make water bomb balloons out of condoms that someone left over. Right. It, <laughs> and one of the best gags the show has is when it does these random cutaways to live action footage, like the doing the somersaults. It'll just cut to this guy just doing these somersaults, or if they have to make a condom balloon, they'll say, "Let's actually make a condom water balloon now," and then cuts to footage of a person <laughs> taking a prophylactic, putting it to a water faucet, and filling it up. <laughs> Showing the comedy, and it's all just very rapid fire humor, and they always just end up just being terribly hurt, but then they're fine the next episode because, hey, it's a cartoon. Right. And they're shorts. I love this show. I can't recommend it highly enough. If you like shows like Sexy Commando, Cromarty High School, XL Saga. Colorful. Colorful, yeah. especially, since Colorful is probably the closest thing to Ipatsu Kikimusume. Check Why out do you think- this thing. There's just one, before I get to your question, there's just one thing you have to know about it. I mentioned it's from 1999. This was digisubbed. It was digisubbed in, like, earliest days of right. fan-subbing things and putting them as encodes on the internet. The encodes are very low quality. The subtitle translations are abysmally bad. In fact, they don't even get the name of the show right in the name. They call it Ipatu Kikimusume. <laughs> but the hilariously bad translation just helps. Like, it is scary leg that Crab uses to attack enemies. This sort of mild English aspect of it is great. And I was always hoping that after Colorful came out that ADV or someone would have licensed would it, put all of it on one DVD. That's what I was going to ask, is why do you think that this has not been released since Colorful's been released? Yeah. Because the company suck? Them. I don't know. I think Maybe it might have to of... do with just the fact that I don't think 
it was even released on DVD in Japan. To my was knowledge, was it released on DVD in Japan? I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe the resources aren't there, or maybe it would just cost too much to license. Although uh, there's yeah, maybe there's some weird licensing hang-up. Or yeah, something. like maybe the mm. song, which is actually like the opening credits, are longer than the episode itself. It seems, but <laughs> I don't know. It's mm. just it's a it's mystery, a and thing. It's, I mean yeah. to show how long I've been waiting for the show. I was saying ADV should license again, it and get Jessica Calvello to be the voice. Nobody's of licensed Sexy Commando yet, have they? No, no, they no one has. So. That's another piece of brilliance that's been completely overlooked. And the amazing thing is that that finally got finished, the fan sub for that. Yeah, that took it did. years. I really think that this could make someone some money if they released it here and made right. it like a $10 disc or something like that. Yeah. Because you can watch this entire thing, all 16 episodes, in about 50 minutes, about the time it takes to watch one or two episodes of something. And the file size for every single episode is maybe like less than 300 megs because the encodes aren't terribly high quality. So, bottom line, check out Ipatsu Kikimusume. I will put a link to the torrent in the show notes. This torrent has been going for, like, literally as long as these releases were out. Once they had released all of them, they made a batch torrent and released it, and it's still being seeded to this day. Wow. And the torrent, like, was created in 2002. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, yeah. yeah, think about how hard it is to get seeds of episodes seeds, of yeah. recent things that you missed. <laughs> this thing is still being seeded by people, so go and watch this show. If you don't like this show, you suck. I mean, I was looking at people say what their worst anime was on the internet way back in the day, like, least favorite anime, Miss Critical Moment, or, oh, someone made an AMV to just the crab part, and it's better than the actual show. Fuck you if you think that, because this show is fucking rad. On that note, we're going to go on to bigger and better things in terms of <laughs> lesbianism. Well, we'll see. And cool with Gerald's hentai review of Another Lady Innocent. And since it's hentai, even though we do have the explicit tag on this, we'll just warn you folks that we're going to really mean it in the next few minutes. But first, I'm going to prove quite decisively that my taste in music is far, far superior to that milkshake bullshit or whatever Clarissa was talking about. And I'm going to prove it right now. Semen deep in a fucking fat cock going down the road. Semen deep in a sweaty set of nuts bashing on your face. She's hungry for jizz, hungry for jizz, help and the semen. And on with the really dirty part of the show. And for this, I'm going to be taking a look at Another Lady Innocent. Now, before I go too much further here, I should say that the first time I heard about this show was probably 2002. Yeah. (laughs) And this thing has been in production for six years. And it's still not finished? They've only put out one episode? They put out one 30-minute episode of this. And this is probably... The most, <laughs> the most beautiful-looking porno that has ever been made, <laughs> ever. 
in any form yeah. of anything. I'll now, second that. But let's get back to the basics on this. Now, this is basically created, written, drawn, directed, and mostly even animated by Satoshi Urushihara. And Mr. Satoshi Urushihara. Plastic people. Yeah. yeah. Plasticine now, shiny man. On the subject of plastic, he's probably most well known for Plastic Little, which is a show. Named. It's something <laughs> that, I mean, if you're looking at it for a bunch of very well animated boobs, then it will probably please you. Yeah, it's the entire point, because the, yeah, the jiggle counter. And so. so, this was something where he was trying to pretend that he had some sort of class. <laughs> and then he just said, screw it, I'm just going to make porno. This what is he what he should have been doing from the start. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, another lady innocent is the result. Originally, this was called Front Innocent. And, in fact, in the titles of the show, and even as the characters talk in the previews, it's still called Front Innocent. I really don't know why they called it Another Lady Innocent. There, there was a prequel to this in the form of drama CDs that were called Lady Innocent. So maybe that's why, I don't know. But Such a weird like name people... to call it Another Lady Innocent. You think it's part two. It's like, but where's it's Lady like... Innocent? Right, but it's not, yeah, I was about to say, it's not like people here know Lady Innocent. Yeah, like, I know. If Lady Innocent was something people here were aware of, I could maybe understand that title change, but... I feel that it must be something legal, because yeah, they keep it all over the show and everywhere. It's not like they try to hide it anywhere. In fact, they right. even have, in the title of the show, they have Front Innocent written and then subtitled Another Lady Innocent. Yeah. So, I really don't know. But let's go on with the story. Ha 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 her friend John and her girlfriend Sophia. That is the plot. Yeah. I'm telling you people, that is the plot. The plot is so much more intricate than that, Gerald. Well, actually, you're right, because this is set... <laughs> holy shit, I'm gonna actually say it. This is set during the Civil War in America. In fact, one of the extras on the disc is a very elaborate history lesson narrated <laughs> in Japanese to tell you all about the American Civil War. Yeah, they the Japanese summary Burns on that shit. The, the Japanese summary of America's Civil War is pretty special. Yeah, it is. It's pretty amazing. How does it stack up to Ken Burns? I think that it's unfortunately below the quality of Ken Burns. Oh come yeah. on! I know. I think Ken Burns would have made this very much better. There's no <laughs> black characters in this show. You would think that uh, it's set during the Civil War that there'd be black characters. Yeah, there, no. there, you'd think there'd be some <laughs> slave rape. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah, something really. like that. Whatever but, typifies the Civil War. But I mean, Satoshi Urishihara was really giving his audience what they were expecting because there's a lot of sex in this. It is very graphic and it is unbelievably well animated. Now, the one scene this. that you showed me of this, Gerald, I know you're going to mention it anyway, but it basically starts off with the plantation owner dude boning two of his maids. And yeah. his daughter coming home, and she just sort of walks in on him in the library while he's just reaming <laughs> away some chick, and he's just like, "Hey, daddy!" And then he's just doesn't even like he's buck ass naked screwing some chick, and he's just like, "Oh, hey, so and so, what's going on?" <laughs> Actually, she, she comes in on him just as he ejaculates, just as he busts his nut and doesn't hit her in the <laughs> face. 
and she just comes in and hugs him, and she's and he's like, oh shit, yeah, but he's get this girl away from me. Oh, I, I, he was. I thought he was just like very matter of fact. Just still, just no. He he was actually embarrassed. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's not that's as funny, crazy. but the fact that she's totally oblivious. It's not she she's is yeah. weirded out or anything by the fact that Daddy's riding him cowgirl or whatever. <laughs> I know. Let's see. What else is there to say about this? Well, this is one of those shows that you could probably buy and watch with your girlfriend if you actually have one, because this is something that, as far as I, I can tell, to say, you, you won't talk or listen to this show. So yeah, I don't think. but I mean, this is something that, as far as I can see, a lot of the fans of the show I know are females because it is just so beautifully animated. If you Google for this, and maybe we'll post an, a very you know work unsafe picture of this, but the cover of this looks beautiful, and every cell of this looks like the cover. Yeah. And so yeah. it's not Which like Which is why very... it's taken them so goddamn long to make this thing. I know. And why and... it's taking them so long to get the next episode out. I know. I don't know how long this is going to be, but... Still I still can't believe the they just released one episode on DVD over here. Like, you have to pay a 30 for minute. one Japanese episode. Release. Very yes. Japanese. One dollar a minute. Ridiculous. And they have an interview, a very long interview, with Satoshi Urishihara about it. I mean, he, the guy literally animated a lot of this himself, it seems. Maybe that's why it looks so good, because generally, the other porn companies are probably pretty happy to, like, film one animation and then just loop it. Yeah. There's a lot of looping in this, but it's, it's very well animated. Well, by, by the nature of it, there's probably going to be a good bit of looping that you could get right. away with, but there's yes. a point at which it becomes tacky. Yeah. He talks about it, and it, apparently it takes him like an hour to draw one of the cells. He was talking about a difference between when he draws characters making love and when he just draws characters, you know, standing there and things like that. And he actually did comment on how he draws girls, so he's well aware of how silly some of his designs are. So at least he's got that up on the Samane Shiro. Right. Okay. He, he actually knows what he's doing. I don't know. I, I haven't really watched this thing uncensored yet. Do the girls in in the uncensored version have that terrifying, like, steel wool pubic hair that he always has? Oh, well, yeah, if you're well, familiar with these female characters. artwork, the two characteristics are plastic woman and steel wool pubic hair, and they didn't have that. How can you tell it's steel wool, just in terms of... It looks of, like steel In terms wool. of thickness and Yeah, it looks <laughs> like you... It looks like it would rub your skin off, it's... Yeah, I can't I really describe it. It's just it looks like steel wool. I didn't notice that. And again, this is one of those things that the censorship, every single thing in this is so detailed that I tend to wonder if this wasn't made with the intention of releasing it uncensored at some point. Because he must have spent so much time on everything. So I have to give the guy credit in that this is is so beautifully animated, but again, you don't, you're not going to watch this for a story. Hell no. Um, <laughs> in fact, I still don't know what the storyline of this is. Apparently there's some, like, manor owner who's trying to take over the mansion or some very, like, 80s-style storyline. Like, oh, oh no, break him, too. We gotta, you know, have sex to save the orphanage. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So why did you decide to review this in, in the lesbian episode, Gerald? Because there... Since you haven't talked about that very much. Well, no, I haven't. Well, you know, this is one of those very uh, revolutionary hentais. T typically how it works is, you know, the, the girls are screwing each other, and they're only screwing each other because there isn't a dick there to fill their holes. I'm saying this so well. Well, you're saying it so well, and there's no re-editing, no retakes. Oh, <laughs> not on this show, Gerald. Well, not now, not ever. 
No. And what you were about to say is that this is an accurate representation of real life. Continue. Yes, and let's see. But now, this show takes a realm into the whimsical and fantastical by doing what? Well, it takes this, this jump into the fantastic by making the dick icing. So... Basically, the girls are there to have sex with each other, and, you know, when a, when a dick is there, well, that's just convenient. It's not the point. Oh, my God. Okay, well, so that's just Terry Gilliam-style fantasy land. Amazing. I know, it's just out yeah. there. It's unbelievable, isn't it? it I mean, <laughs> what? Yeah. Like, what the hell? How do you even think of that? I know. What space oh, thoughts must be going through your psionic brain wave to <laughs> No, I mean, Urshivara, like, what, what mushrooms was he taking to come up with something so ridiculous? In the, uh, in the world of, like, porn, this has man. never happened in ever. I mean, what the hell? I don't know. This is supposed to be a review, but it, this is kind of impossible to review because this is a $30 disc, and you're getting 30 minutes of material. <laughs> yeah. So, How much ridiculous. of it is actual screwing in 30 minutes? I would say, like, 25 minutes. Okay, so that's acceptable, because usually in your average 45-50 minute hentai release, basically from every hentai jump review I've ever read, it seems like there's two or three screwing scenes that are over in, like, a few minutes. Right. And eventually the Japanese just have it in them. They can't just keep things on the straight and narrow. Eventually someone's got to, like, I don't know, start shitting on somebody's chest or whatever the hell. <laughs> they end up resorting to it's like you know what oh it's it's not good enough we've got to yeah i don't know make an incision in your elbow and fill you up with helium until you <laughs> explode or i don't know some bizarre thing like oh yeah. well there's the sex scene we had the one but that isn't good enough now it's time to piss in somebody's mouth while reciting the added three verses of the star spangled banner that nobody else knows about <laughs> But anyway, no shitting on anyone, no... Not yet. Of Episode two, that's when we'll go out the... <laughs> hey. We'll all be out the window. Ara is a classy guy. What, just you wait and see until someone just, like, kills somebody by, like, grabbing them by their hair and rubbing them against their steel wool cooter, and then it just, like, will rip the skin off their face and it'll be all Apocalypse Zero style, and then that's when they'll keep having sex with skinless dome or whatever i'm telling you that's what it is if they could just see the pink then we wouldn't be in the world that we live in now where there's things like 4chan yeah i thought it was just because they hated women no no it's inability to see the pink no. makes them hate women now, I oh will okay there is this three second long scene that appears to be like an attempted rape so that kind of spoils the oh my god consensual stuff i can't really say much more than this because i mean it is just 30 minutes and it's 25 minutes of very little plot so this well, is basically one of the most high profile hentai releases as of late yeah i mean it's yeah. six years in production and i'll give the guy credit it looks like it was in production for six years because it really is that gorgeous. And when did this come out here? This came out here, I believe, this year. If not, late last year. Oh, wow. So it's, it's amazing that we've beat the happy house of hentai to reviewing this. How can they have oh. dropped the ball like that? I'm still mm, waiting yeah. for the tied to the, the rudder spinning around, <laughs> hammering Just while reading the <laughs> ad copy. Never happened. It's a pipe dream. 
<laughs> All right. Well, we'll have to see what we can do. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll run their promo or something now to <laughs> atone for that. Anyway, as I said, this looks beautiful. If you're willing to plunk down twenty-five, thirty dollars for thirty minutes of very well animated sex, then go for it. Otherwise, now, well, I don't how know. many people in this modern day and age actually pay for porn? I mean, if it's easy enough to download regular porn and it's easy enough to download regular anime, I'm sure you could just steal hentai and not feel Apparently terribly guilty that you're people, stealing from. Enough people do to make Bible Black like the Kenshin of porno. Yeah. So. I don't know. I I tend to have a little bit of a problem like paying for hentai, not because I'm averse to paying for it in general, but it's because they tend to really overprice adult material. They know that you probably like feel guilty about buying it, or they know that it's kind of not mainstream material, so they totally rip you off and overcharge you for it, which makes me not want to buy it. It's like, I would probably buy Front Innocent or Another Lady Innocent if it wasn't a $30 disc with one 30-minute episode on it. Right, and that's I mean, a very good reason to not buy this, because it is that, but this must have cost a hell of a lot to make. Yeah, so I don't know. I, it's... I really don't know either. So that's kind of the situation you're stuck with. This is very expensive porno, but very good-looking porno. So that's your choice, people. Man, you have to wonder, as high-profile a hentai release as this is, how could the Happy House of Hentai over at happyhouseofhentai.lipson.com possibly have overlooked this one? I don't know. Here's a 100% truthful excerpt from their show detailing the sorts of things they've been talking about instead of Another Lady Innocent. I want to talk about, probably heard of it, it's a gay cowboy movie called Brokeback Mountain. This movie is really excellent. It's full of sex scenes where he spits on it right before he rams it in. And you can see the sausage flapping around in the air. So if you haven't seen Brokeback Mountain, check it out. It's worth it. And that concludes episode 19 of Anime World Order. As always, if you'd like to check the show notes, you can go to our website at www.animeworldorder.com. And if you have anything to say about our show this week, you can email us at animeworldorder at gmail.com, or you can call us at 206-666-4AWO. That's 206-666-4296. And if you don't feel like paying the phone costs to call that number, just record an MP3 on your computer and attach it to an email and send it to us. And yeah, we'll try and play it in a slightly more timely fashion than we did Elaine's. <laughs> and you can also leave comments on the blog. We read all the comments and generally... The Frapper page. Did we mention the Frapper page? Um, yeah, we can mention the Frapper page and yeah. asking people to vote for us and all that. Oh, yeah. But I think we should follow Aaron from the Weekly Anime Reviews example and maybe just decide, alright, we're going to zero in on one site and everybody launch your joke RPGs at that one site. But we'll figure that out later because I don't want to just steal a dime <laughs> and say, okay, everyone, let's all pickle bomb the Jesus out of this. Yeah. So, I don't know. Whatever. Votes if you want. It's not like it's really... We don't really care that much. Yeah, our, our listenership is remaining somewhat constant at this point. Yeah. Though we did lose a good bit of listeners and iTunes stopped temporarily carrying us Immediately following the Joey Snack Pants episode, which Odeo refused to manually hold, so I had to manually put it in. I guess Joey Snack Pants is just a, a notorious dude. Whatever. So what's going on next time?
Next week, we will be continuing with our fairly normal format, though we will not have a theme for next week's episode. I will be continuing on the Shoujo Tack for a little while, and reviewing the new anime, actually a pretty brand new anime, Oran High School Host Club. I'm going to be taking a look at the most Japanese-style release I've ever seen over here, Oniamis' first release, the Pat Labor One Movie Deluxe Edition. The $80... (laughs) That $80 sucker. Movie release... Incidentally, Anime on DVD was running a contest to win a limited edition Pat Labor 1 DVD box set. It required you to demonstrate that you were a cool dude fan of Pat Labor. So naturally, I won. So now I have two copies of this since I went out and bought it as it came out to support it, which means that I'm probably going to end up giving the extra one away. So tune in and maybe you'll find out how I'm going to do that, because I still haven't figured out how that's going to happen. As for me, next week, we've warned you for a month or so that it was going to happen. I am going to review Chorus. Oh, God. <laughs> which is now available in America by Manga Video. Manga! With Dub featuring Matthew Lillard, a.k.a. the annoying guy from Scream. Oh, seriously? Or Matthew Lillard's in that? the really oh, shitty God. guy who played Maniac in the really shitty Wing Commander movie, which shouldn't have been a shitty movie because Chris Roberts wrote and directed it, and he also made the games. And how can you make that shitty fucking movie when you made the games so good? And why would you cast Freddie Prinze motherfucking Jr.? and Matthew Lillard in your... <laughs> fuck you, Chris Roberts. That franchise is dead, and it's been dead for over a decade, hey. and I'm never going to forget. Hey, but he was Serial Killer in Hackers. That's right. Which, which was, was a fun movie. Serial Killer in Hackers. So if you've ever been to a LAN party, people take Hackers too goddamn seriously. <laughs> and all the fun of Hackers has been killed by the Aww. fact that there are organizations and groups out there that release, like, CD soundtrack albums inspired by the movie Hackers. And oh. shit like that. They killed that movie. And yeah, I never thought Angelina Jolie was all that great to begin with, but she's in that so, movie in her Chorus. underwear or whatever. So, yes, Chorus for cool people who oh, like cool God. things. That's getting edited out of this closing, Gerald, because this is a, this is cool things. It's nothing but coolness from Tatsunoko to celebrate their 40th anniversary of releasing <laughs> coolness. <laughs> and if you like cool things like Soul Taker. And cool things like Final Fantasy Advent Children. And oh, what does the yes. box say here? Hey. Like Batman Begins. Yes. Oh, God. And, uh, wasn't it, and wasn't the it crow Bat- with a sword. Ah. Oh, jeez. No, not, don't compare it to the crow. Karas means crow. <laughs> in Japaheno. Mm. So look forward to it, I guess. Compare it to the Crow TV series starring Mark Dacascos. <laughs> Anything starring Mark Dacascos. Well, Mark Dacascos is so cool. Brotherhood of the Wolf and Drive and Only the Strong. He was the villain in Cradle to the Grave. That's what it was. <laughs> oh, God. You <laughs> hate him just for that. It's so awesome. I don't know what you're talking to about. To the Grave. It's just Cradle to Grave. No. Number two. There's a the, there's a THA in that. There isn't. Listen, (laughs) Fast Karate for the Gentleman will back me up on this. Fast Karate for the Gentleman is, in fact, Dave Riley's and Joel, insert last name here's, 
<laughs> renamed podcast from fan-service.org. I've updated the link in the template, but yeah, look forward to our cool people's review of Karis. So that's our preview of what's coming up next week. Be sure to tune in for that one. So until then, I guess that's that's it from us cool people at Anime World Order.